He is from California, all ACC performer, two-time ACC regular champion, one out of 75 players to ever score 1,000 points at Duke University, mm-hmm. professional basketball player for both overseas and NBA for 10 years, and now is a business owner for Game Ready Basketball. So appreciate you, um, Ricky Price. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So that's long stat line. Yeah. I mean, that was a nice little introduction. I appreciate that. <laughs> Made me feel good. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, tell me, take me all the way back from California. How you end up all the way on the other side of the coast, other side of the country? That's a good question. You know, everyone asked me about that. Uh, my parents actually went to UCLA. That's where they met. And then uh, they were married shortly thereafter. And then they had me. And so the ideology was that I would go to UCLA, you know, from L.A., born and raised, you know, and stay in the L.A. area. But uh, I was a different breed. I just wanted to get away and kind of find myself and, you know, play high-level basketball. Not that UCLA wasn't high-level, but um, I just wanted something different. And, uh, you know, taking my visit to Duke, Grant Hill was my host, and uh, he ended up being my favorite player uh, up until that point. And uh, it, was a, it was a dream visit, you know, obviously meeting with Coach K, playing in ACC, being at a top 10 school academically, you know, the social scene was there, HBCUs are up and down the street. So I kind of got the full, you know, college experience, you know, uh, being in North Carolina, um, going to school in Durham. So it was kind of a no-brainer for me. What was, uh, what was high school like for you and the recruiting process? Oh, that was, uh, it was crazy. Um, you know, obviously I was, a, I was a top five player in the nation, McDonald's All-American. And uh, you didn't know that? I did not. I didn't know that. Yeah, man. Do, you, do your research, boy. Do your research. Dang. Come on, Austin. I'll still drag you, though. <laughs> oh, my no, gosh. No, no, ain't no way. No, but, uh, you know, recruiting was crazy. You know, but I had uh, really good parents that, you know, shielded me from the process, uh, you know, made sure that, you know, it wasn't overwhelming for me. And then I think I did a good job of uh, narrowing my list down and then making a decision before my senior year. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't have to deal with recruiting. And you can focus on your game. You can focus on the, on the team and, you know, team goals, knowing that you're already going to go to whatever school you're going to go to. And so I would advise, you know, most people to make those decisions early so you don't have to deal with, uh, you know, the, the foolery later. Distractions and everything. Absolutely. What, what was your list narrowed down to? Uh, my final five was Duke, uh, Kansas, Arkansas, Cal, and Arizona. And, uh, you know, all, all five schools were accomplished at the time. And, uh, but after I took my visit to Kansas first and then Duke second, I shut my recruitment down. And the rest of the three schools were upset with me about that. But I just I felt it wasn't going to get any better than that. Right. Dang. And so, um, you know, for me, uh, you know, Duke was, Duke, was, Duke was my choice. How old were you when you got your first offer? I'll never forget. I was in, the, uh, I was, uh, in a summer transition program going from the eighth grade to the ninth grade. So I went to St. Anthony's High School in Long Beach, and I took a summer transition program to get used to the high school. And I remember being in math class, knock on the door, and somebody brings a letter to my desk, and it was from Long Beach State. And so my first letter came from Long Beach State, and then 30 minutes later, another knock on the door, and my second letter came from Arizona. <laughs> wow. So I was in between eighth and ninth grade when I got my first, my first letter. Long Beach State, Arizona, huh? Yeah. That's a big program for, yeah. you know. I mean, it was crazy. And obviously, you know, recruiting is big. Yeah. And they know who the top players are, but 
you know, if you want to really recruit well, you got to start early. Mm -hmm. And so eighth and ninth grade is not out of the ordinary for you to start to get acclimated, start to get sitting letters and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, for me, it was just like, are you serious? You know, is this really happening? And then I started to get better and better. And obviously it was a realization I was going to play Division One basketball. Build That's your, awesome. Yeah, to build your confidence and everything there moving forward, or was it more like just surreal? Well, for me, I mean, you know, I tried to keep the noise real quiet and just work on my game and make sure that my game was sharp. And then as I got to, you know, grow and get stronger and jump higher and my skill development got better, I just got better. And I started just rising up in the rankings. And like I said, I finished the number one player in California and a top five player in the nation on most uh, recruiting, uh, recruiting sites. What was the moment like when you were informed that you're going to be a McDonald's All-American? I'll never forget that as well. Um, I was sitting at home. I just got home from work. Excuse me, work, school. <laughs> and uh, I guess it was work for us at, at that time. And my mom uh, said, um, I got a letter from McDonald's. You know, I think you should open it. And uh, kind of, we kind of opened it together. And sure enough, you know, it said that I had been, you know, accepted, you know, to the game. And, um, you know, one of 20 players in the nation to do that. And Damn. so it was like one of my, one of my goals was to play in that game. And I actually won the slam dunk contest in that competition. So, you know, I'm a former McDonald's slam dunk champion as well. Dang. You got to do your research, yeah, my awesome. boy. Man, Take us. you ain't tell me none of this. You didn't who who was all on the does. court with you? So this was 1994, class of 94. So that was uh, the best player in the country was Allen Iverson. But he was in jail. So he didn't get to play in that game. Um, Gerard Ward, uh, Felipe Lopez, uh, Rafe LaFrance, Antoine Walker, um, Andre Patterson, uh, a lot of guys. You guys are probably too young to know these guys. Oh, Antoine Walker, that's Walker. my guy. Yep. Celtics fan. Absolutely. So. Antoine was unbelievable. Um, Willie Mitchell, I mean, so many, so many good guys. Uh, Trajan Langdon, Steve Wojciechowski were in my class. Um, so Rafe many good guys. Rafe LaFrance had a long career. Rafe LaFrance had a, had a great career. And so, uh, class of 94, shout out. That's awesome. Take us through the dunks. Do you remember each one that you did? Absolutely. Of Absolutely. course, right? So the first one was like a left-hand lean, like kiss the rim a little bit. Okay. You know, Jordan came with the right hand and, and finished. I came with the left-hand baseline, and that was a crowd pleaser. And then I finished it with a, with a 360 cock back. You know what I'm saying? After that, they had to give me the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to tell you a story, though, that, that drove me crazy. So after I, the, after I won the slam dunk contest, I see the trophy. It's like almost six foot tall. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell am I going to get that thing home? And so I took the photo op with Patrick Ewing, who was one of the judges, with the, with the trophy. And then afterwards, they took the trophy away and gave me a plaque. <laughs> no way. I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. Like, are you serious? Man, I'll be hot. I was heated because so I, I wanted that trophy. trophy. Wow. It's they just a prop. They the trophy. Uh, the trophy was just for, for, you know, for props. Photo op. Photo op. That's I'm like, so funny. Yeah, that's foul. That's right. That y'all did me like that. That's crazy. That is crazy. Wow. Mm -hmm. So going going into Duke, um, you make your decision. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to go play for for Coach K. You know, one of like the pinnacle of college basketball. Right. What was what was that experience like? You know, going in there as a freshman, and you know, at that point, I'm sure you got some older guys on the team, and you got to fight for your minutes, right? You no know, question. From, I mean, it was an incredible experience. I tell everyone who will listen. My years in college were the, were the best four years of my life. 
period. And you probably know that. I mean, college, well, with COVID and everything, maybe not. I mean, the first year and a half, though. Right. It was <laughs> yeah. just unbelievable, the experience that you got, meeting new people, yeah. you know, going to classes, and then obviously playing basketball at the highest level at Duke. I mean, I can't explain to you how that, how that was for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I was prepared as a freshman. But when you get to Duke, everybody's as good as you. And so, like I said, I was the player of the year in California, number one player in California, but on my team, everybody was the number one player in their state. Right. And so when I get to the team, there's already seven McDonald's All-Americans. You know what I'm saying? And every, everybody's nice. And so you had to really earn and, and work hard and practice to get your minutes. And my first year, you know, I started off and on, probably average about maybe 18 to 20 minutes a game. But, um, you know, I had to fight for everything. And the way that Coach K taught was practice was so intense that, you know, games were easy for us. But you have to earn your stripes and earn your playing time in practice and obviously your performance in games. Yeah. Now, I know I'm sure, you know, you keep some of those moments sacred, but kind of take us into what a Coach K practice is like. You know, it's very intense. You know, he would go for about 45 minutes, but intense. And so everything was, you know, to a T in terms of time. Um, he, he expected you to be, you know, on point in terms of the movements and knowing where you're supposed to be, your assignments, and then the overall uh, effort, you know, given. You know, difference between college and pro is that you got to give maximum effort on every single possession. And, you know, NBA guys be taking possessions off. Mm-hmm. In college, I mean, <laughs> he was a stickler about that. And if you didn't give your all on every possession, you know, you might not play or you're going to get an earful or both. And so, you know, playing at Duke, I learned to play hard on every possession. And so now it became habit for me. And so it's not like I'm, I'm going hard as I can. Nah, it's, this, is, this is how I play now. The habit is to go hard and play as hard as you can on every possession. And then usually good things would happen. What was the most? Nature. What was the most intense practice you had at Duke? You see, do you remember that? Uh, I remember that as well. Um, you know, one of the great things about I me, mean, I've done these podcasts, you know, several several times as a guest, and I just have great stories to tell, which is why people always want to have me on. You probably didn't know that either, but <laughs> <laughs> so um, we go to Hawaii and we play in the uh, Maui Classic. Actually, it was the Rainbow Classic because it was in Honolulu, and we lose. Uh, we lost in the, in, the, in the second round, and we didn't make it to the finals. And so after we lost to Iowa, and so after that, we fly back to North Carolina. And I don't, I don't think you know how long that flight is. Hawaii is five hours from, from Los Angeles, and then another four and a half, five to get to North Carolina. So it's basically a 10-hour flight. Off, off the flight, you know, we take the bus back to, you know, back to Duke, and then he gets into the front of the bus, and he says all right, dressed and ready in 15 minutes. I'm like, what? We, we just got back from Hawaii. Everybody's exhausted, tired from the, from the tournament and tired from just the travel. Oh, man. But we didn't win, and we didn't play well. He knew that, and I guess our punishment was, yo, we got to get to practice. Y'all not good enough right now. Let's get it. So 15 minutes later, we taped and ready, and it was a gauntlet of a practice. It was kind of like, throw the ball out, and I'm going to see who really wants it. Guys are fouling. Guys are just going hard, taking charges. Yeah. It was one of those tough, gritty, let me see where you at type practices. And I, I'll never forget that. Damn. It's almost. You don't, get, you don't get to be tired. <laughs> nah, nah, we're not accepting that. Right. We're not accepting that. 
But all these things were preparation for what was going to be. You know, obviously playing a rigorous ACC schedule. Yeah. Playing a rigorous um, non-conference schedule. And then, oh, this is preparation into a tournament that you have to win six games to win the championship. And so, you know, when you're doing all these things, you've got to be prepared. Your, your freshman year, who's, who's the starting five? So I started on and off, but, you know, it's myself, uh, Trajan Langdon, uh, Jeff Capel, um, Cherokee Parks, and um, Chris Collins. And so it was a combination of that. Um, and we just, we had a tough season that year. I remember Coach actually was hurt. He had back surgery and missed 75% of the season. And so we were 13 and 18 that year and didn't make the tournament. The first time in a long time that Duke had made the, the tournament. And I remember thinking to myself, damn, you know, am I the reason why we lost? Like, like this is crazy. Because the year before, they went to the finals and lost. The year before, you know, Final Four. A couple years earlier, two back-to-back -back titles. Right. Duke had been really, really good. And uh, this particular year, we weren't. And um, he came back my sophomore year. We were 18 and 13, made the tournament. 27 and 6 the following year. And then 32 and 4 the following year. So we got our act together. But, you know, it was a progression of, you know, having to learn how to win. What I like about what you just said there was – and I think this mentality is absent a lot of the time now, mm -hmm. is that, you know, after you had that tough season, it wasn't, you know, okay, where can I transfer to where we can win? You know, <laughs> where can I be on a winning team? Uh, you know, it was self-accountability. You know, absolutely. what well, did I do? The, the transfer portal rules were different then. Right, you had to you know, wait, sit out a year, you had to right? sit out a year, and, but you bring up a great point. You know, the state of college basketball is, is in a bad place. And, you know, it's because of NIL, and it's because of the transfer portal. And I get what the NCAA was trying to do, but it really gives people a, an, an automatic get out of jail free pass. You know what, I'm not getting no playing time. You know what, I don't like, you know what, I'm out. Mm -hmm. As opposed to sticking it out, figuring it out, and finding your niche and earning, you know, like in college basketball, there's no earn. I mean, there's no give. Everything is earned. You know what I'm saying? And if you start thinking in that, regard, I think, you know, the kids will be better off. Yeah. But instead, they're looking for the easiest route, the easiest path. And sometimes, you know, that can get you in trouble. Yeah, and even with the transfer portal not being as friendly as it is now mm -hmm. to college basketball players, it still wasn't the, well, whose fault was it around me, right? Well, if he would have played better or if, if Coach K, right, if Coach K wasn't, wasn't out for 75% of the games, maybe it was, what do I need to be doing? One other thing that Coach K did that was really, really good was, you know, he's a, he's a military guy. You know, he came from West Point. He was in the military. And I don't know if you guys know about the military, but everything's about accountability. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can't – ain't no point in the finger. You got to stand up and, you know, and you got to figure it out. And then if you mess up, you got to take accountability. And then you got to take whatever punishment comes along with that. And so these are some of the things that Coach K instilled in us as players that, you know, you can take – you know, for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so for, in that regard, I'm, I'm very grateful. That's awesome. So you was at Duke from freshman all the way senior year. Mm -hmm. Who was the best guy to come out of Duke? The whole, you see, been there all four years. Who was the best guy to come out or you played against? Uh, well, on our team, I would say there were three guys that stood out. Um, my senior year, we had Elton Brand end up being the number one pick, and he was awesome. He's probably the best player that I played with. Uh, Cherokee Parks was awfully, was awfully good, too. Um, 
Shane Battier was awfully good too. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then, um, you know, guys like Trajan Langdon, who was the greatest shooter in Duke history until a guy named J.J. Reddick showed up. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I played against some really, really good guys. And so imagine practicing with those guys each and every day. Right. Games felt easy. No Shane, choice but to get better. Shane Battier was a freshman when you were a senior? So Shane Battier and Elton Brown were in the same class. Mm-hmm. That class was monstrous. They had, it was Will Avery, Shane Battier, Elton Brand, and Chris Burgess was that class. They were freshmen and I was a senior. And so, uh, you know, and Elton obviously was the best player on our team. And then he stayed another year and was the best player in the country. Right. And ended up being a number one pick. And then Shane stayed four years. Mm-hmm. And then ended up being a top ten pick uh, coming out of Duke as well. Yeah. Got okay. his number retired there. Was he, was he like a instant leader? Because I've heard stories about, you know, him being such a locker room guy. Um, as a freshman, did he kind of ease his way into that? Or was he like right from the jump? Yeah, he was very much a follower as a freshman trying to figure it out, and uh, Coach didn't like that as opposed to trying to separate himself. Mm-hmm. But as the years went on, he became a primetime player. Yeah. And then he benefited from um, those guys leaving early. You know, during that time, his time, right after I left uh, Duke, was the one-and-done era. Yeah. And then Elton Brand left first, and then Will Avery, and then Corey McGetty, and then the floodgates opened, and every year was getting the one-and-done. But Shane stayed four years, and I think what was great about him is – Defensively, he was incredible. I mean, as a one-on-one basketball player, it was tough to stay in front of me. I could get by just about anybody. And I could get by him, but his recovery to the get-by was really, really good. So he could bother and block the shot off the recovery. And he was a great shooter, great leader, just, a, just an all-around good player. And he never had star written all over him, but I knew he'd be a good role player. Yeah. And obviously in the NBA, he was that. And he played, uh, you know, several years. He was a perennial guy and um, had a great career. Right. Played well, crucial roles on the teams he played for in the NBA as well. One of ab- those, absolutely. Like said, Miami players. Heat, they won a title with him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and he's, he's just a winner. He won in high school. He won in college. He won as a pro. You know, he plays winning basketball. And uh, he, was, he was good, man. As a player, what was the experience like? for the UNC Duke games at, <laughs> at Cameron Indoor? Uh, it was incredible. You know, coming from L.A., you don't really understand the rivalry. Our rivalries were different, you know, Lakers-Celtics, mm-hmm. maybe USC-UCLA, you know, but the Duke-Carolina rivalry is easily the best rivalry maybe in all of sports, easily in college basketball. Um, and you just don't know until you, until you get to North Carolina how serious it is. Like to this day, I know husband and wives – One's a Duke, one's a Carolina. And during the game, somebody can be sleeping on the couch that night. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how serious it is. And so, um, you know, those games you get up for, and uh, they were high-level games. And no matter who was ranked ahead or ranked at all, that always produced a good game. Yeah. And uh, that was in the 90s when I play, and still today you're going to see – the best of the best, you know, when that happens. Yeah, even just recently, neither team was ranked, you know, recently one of those games. Still, the game was, you know, televised, one of the most watched games of the season still. No question. And, uh, you know, my freshman year, it was, the, it was the year that Jerry Stackhouse won an ESPY, and he came baseline, he came under and reverse dunked. You guys got to, like, ESPN Classic that. It's, it's unbelievable. Rasheed Wallace was in that game as well. Yeah. He had 25 points in that game, and he was perfect from the field. 
10 for 10 from the field, 5 for 5 from the free throw line, 8 dunks. <laughs> like, that's what I'm competing against, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In college. At Duke, I know y'all have, like, this, uh, I think it's called Coach K Field or something. People for that game is out, like, seven days prior. Mm-hmm. Was that still a thing when you was in college? Absolutely. It's called Krzyzewskiville. Yeah. And basically, students camp out for games, I mean, for months. And, you know, every, 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 every week, every couple of hours, they have to line up, you know, to keep their spot. And to keep your spot, you got to camp out. And uh, it was serious. And, you know, it's a small arena. I don't know if you guys have been to Cameron Indoor Stadium. Yeah, it's not very big. You know, less than 10,000 people. And so, you know, we're right on top of each other. It's an incredible, you know, home court advantage. But it's because those students were just crazy, you know. And so says the name, Cameron Crazy. They were just insane. And it helped us, empowered us, you know, to get through games. Going, going back to some of the guys you played against, mm-hmm. who was – would you say the best player you played against during your whole college career? That's pretty easy. For me, it was Tim Duncan. That was going to be my guess. Yeah, Tim Duncan was there uh, for three years during my career at Duke, and uh, he was nothing short of amazing. (laughs) Obviously, the number one pick, probably the number one power forward of all time, five-time NBA champion, and you could see the star power written all over him. And he was just so polished and so skilled. You know, he had a great, you know, feel for the game. Defensively, he was sound. Uh, I think he became a better offensive player over time, but he was just a winner. And everywhere that he's played, you know, he's won. And uh, with, with him, the Spurs just, you know what I'm saying, dominated with the Lakers, you know, in those in the 90s and, and 2000s. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would say him. You played pro- against Vince Carter? Yeah, I had Vince Carter as well. And he, he wasn't as good as Tim Duncan, but he was, he was good in a different type of way. He was yeah. just electrifying to watch. And, uh, you know, Vince probably was the highest human being that I've ever seen, you know, jump. Yeah. I've never seen a human being jump that high. Damn. And, uh, you know, you guys saw games, but you didn't know Vince Carter unless you played pickup against him. That's when he would really do some unbelievable shit in pickup. Like, the dunks and the, the moves, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, who else? Antoine Jameson was during that time. Stackhouse, Rashid Wallace. Uh, Ray Allen was really, really good too. Mm. Played against him as well. He was, he was awesome. You played so, against some dudes, man. Stephon Marbury. Oh, he was awesome. Um, Did you play against Ray Allen in like any tournament? Was it like the tournament that you played him against, or yeah, that was out a great of conference eight tournament. play? It was a preseason tournament. We okay. played against UConn, and uh, you know he was their star player. You know, gave us twenty six points. I got about sixteen of that. And uh, but Ray was different then. You know. You saw Ray later in his career coming off screens and shooting. shooting. He was athletic. Yeah, he was but very athletic. In college, he, you know, off the bounce, he could dunk on you. He'd get by at the one dribble. I mean, he was just complete. But obviously his shooting prowess was in a beautiful stroke. Yeah. And uh, he, was, he was good. Even coming into the NBA, you know, he used, he used uh, to poster guys. Oh, man, he, he was awesome. Along with obviously being able to shoot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Kobe was supposed to go to Duke. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't because I, I damn sure wouldn't play it if he would <laughs> He was supposed to go to Duke. Yeah, they recruited him, and he liked Duke, and, um, but, you know, he had, he had other plans. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all yeah. played together, too, at the time? Yeah, so Kobe is class of uh, 96, so he would have came in. That would have been my junior year, and he would have been a freshman. Oh. So I would have had a leg up a little bit, but that dude was, uh, was pretty good. I think it wouldn't have taken long? No, nah, no. Nah. Kobe was my – Probably my second player of all time. 
and uh, watch his career. And, you know, he was, he was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of motivational speaking these days. And his name always comes up because of his mentality, his work ethic, and then uh, his overall just psyche. And uh, I think that can be carried over into all walks of life. But, uh, you know, being from L.A., I'm a Laker fan as well. He played for the home team. Mm-hmm. He was uh, one of my favorite guys. Awesome. What would you say with, you know, your, your time at Duke? What, what's your favorite memory while being there? Oh, there's so many. Um, but in 1996, my sophomore year, my best year at Duke, um, I hit a game-winning shot against Maryland, at Maryland. And, uh, you know, to set up the whole scene, two weeks before, I missed the game-winning shot at Carolina. So I remember being in the shower. I was the last one in there, you know, water dripping down my head. And I'm saying to myself, man, if I ever get an opportunity to hit a game-winning shot, I'm going to knock it down. I can't make this stuff up, man. Two weeks later, same situation, in the corner, three, two, one, all net. And we win the game. <laughs> Y'all must have gone crazy. <laughs> well, it, they went crazy, but in the, in the, in the wrong way. So we right. was, we was at Maryland. They were throwing shit at us. <laughs> so I'm, I'm running around like a wild banshee. My teammates are there, and they just throwing stuff onto the court. But just that feeling, man, of, uh, you know, hitting the game when it's shot, especially after the failure of missing one a couple weeks before. And it just uh, it validates, you know. Yeah, that, that that redemption must have felt nice. Oh, it felt it felt unbelievable. And that's that that's that trust that we even put you in that same position again. No question. And Coach K told me that afterwards. He said, you know, Ricky, after the loss at, at Carolina, you know, he told me that you know he they wanted the coaching staff they wanted me to take that game winning shot, and that they weren't upset, you know, with me missing it. That they wanted me if I had an opportunity to shoot it again. And so one thing that Coach K did, which I also appreciate, was give you confidence. You know, if you, were, if you could play and he believed in you, he would give you unbelievable confidence to get you to play above your level. And now when you got guys like Zion and Kyrie and Jason Tatum and R.J. Barrett and Marvin Bagley, you know, playing above their level, what you get is an incredible product. Mm. And uh, that's credit to Coach K and his coaching acumen and these motivational tactics that really get guys to play above their level. You said your sophomore year was your best season. Mm-hmm. What made it your best season, stat line, anything? Uh, yeah, I was, you know, I was 14 points, four rebounds, you know, a couple assists. Um, I was all-ACC all selection, um, defensive player of the year. And so, um, you know, for me, everything clicked. And uh, it, was easily, it was easily my best year. That's awesome. So after, after four years at Duke, you know, mm-hmm. Thousand-point score there. Mm-hmm. What, what was next for you? Well, for me, you know, obviously the goal for every basketball player, you know this, Austin, is, is to play in the NBA. Right. You know, if you don't have dreams and aspirations of doing, of doing that, you know, I don't know what, you, what, you, what, you're, what you're thinking about. But, you know, it was a lockout in 1998, so nobody played basketball that year, which sucked um, until, like, February, March. But, um, you know, I had several NBA tryouts, um, came up short. And so, you know, I settled in into being an, an overseas guy. So I had a nine-year overseas career, which was great. You know, I had a chance to see the world, see places I'd never seen before in my life, you know, make a little money doing it, and uh, live out a dream of being a professional basketball player. And so that was a very gratifying experience. Where all overseas did you play? Passport full of stamps, man. France, Slovenia, Amsterdam, uh, China, uh, Finland, Mexico. I mean, you name it. Venezuela, Philippines, I'm, I've been there. And so, um, you know, just doing, playing the game 
at a high level, uh, being a professional, making money, doing it. I mean, it's like you're living, you're living your dream. Yeah. Well, what man. was your favorite place to play? Good question. Um, I would say France and the Philippines were my two favorite. You know, France was obviously in Europe, soccer is the number one sport. But in France, basketball was a close second. I mean, they were avid basketball fans in France. And then, you know, you're in France. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That ain't so, bad. So the countryside, you know, the people, the food, the culture, you know, I really took to that. I even tried to, you know, speak French for about 30 days and then <laughs> saw that it was just too hard. Um, and then the Philippines was just really Americanized. You know, all the American restaurants they have here, they have there. The weather was seasonally warm all the time. They really pampered the players. We had a driver, a chef. And so, I mean, it was, it was, it was nice. Living in the islands. Living in the islands. You know what I'm saying? I'm drinking coconut out of the coconut. <laughs> you know, the pineapple out of the pineapple. Somebody's cracking <laughs> the coconut. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was a, it was a hell of an experience. So um, I would say those two places stick out the most. I recently saw a, a tweet from Shabazz Napier, who's now playing overseas, mm-hmm. where and there's a video that, that paired up with it um, to reference what he was talking about. But he said, I've never experienced, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, I've never experienced a fan base like I have here um, where he was playing overseas. And it showed the fans going absolutely nuts. Where was he at? Uh, I don't, I wish I knew. I could probably look it up right now, but. I mean, there are so many places where, like I said, if you're in Europe, you know, soccer's king. Mm -hmm. But basketball is a close second, man. And then if you're in a place, you know what I'm saying, that doesn't have a soccer team, the, the, the town, the city has to gravitate towards something. Yeah. And so, um, you know, normally they'll just, you know, gravitate towards basketball. So what's uh, all the countries you've been to? What's the money like over there? Money's pretty good. I mean, there are people who are making, you know, millions of dollars. Yeah, I know that in, uh, in the Europe area. I mean, Spain, Spain. Oh, if you play in the wait, ACB, which that's is the basically top NBA. League, yeah, it's, it's the second level to the NBA. You know, those are going to be million-dollar contracts all day long. For me, it was six figures. Um, which is not bad, tax-free. They give you an apartment, they give you a car, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, you, you live comfortably. Yeah, and you get to experience a, a whole new culture, a whole new place that... Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you miss your family and friends, and mm-hmm. you miss BET. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, the culture was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, for me, I know I love going to new places. And some places were grimy, and it didn't have all the... the because, you know, Europe, that sometimes they don't have the necessities that, like, I was in one place where my, my washer and dryer were the same. So my washer is also my dryer. Huh. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. That that's yeah. almost impressive, depending yeah. on how that works. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so now I'm driving a stick. Mm, yeah. You know, and so for the first time, I'm having to learn how to, you know, drive a stick. And I burnt that clutch out in probably about a week. <laughs> but, you know, I had to learn and, you know, that was fun. Um, well, they just give you another car after that? Usually they give you another car after, you know, cussing you out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to know, man. I mean, Americans, we're not used to that. Right. I mean, everything's an automatic here. And driving a stick was, like, foreign. And how they do it is crazy. Like, here are the keys. We'll see you. <laughs> like, I don't even know what I'm doing. So did right. you ever actually learn how to drive the stick? I had to learn how to drive a stick. So after practice at nighttime, I would just go and just drive around. Just trying to get lost. One, to kind of get to know where I was going. Two, to learn how to drive this damn stick. Mm-hmm. When you were overseas and, like, off-season comes around, mm-hmm. you come back to the U.S., where are you doing, like, your off-season training? Are you staying here in North Carolina? Well, yeah. Um, 
the first couple years, uh, I was just in Durham, mm-hmm. you know, at Duke. And then uh, I bought my first house at 25. So Charlotte was always home base. But I always went to Duke to do, you know, my off-season training and spent, you know, weeks up there, um, you know, working out with the guys, lifting and trying to get better. Um, and then, you know, here in Charlotte, there were a lot of kids, a lot of guys that played overseas as well, a lot of pros. And so what you do is you grab guys and you work out together. And Austin, you know this, you know, in the off-season, you come, you college guys and pro guys, you get together, you know, you work out for a couple hours during the, in the morning and then have lunch and come back in the evening and play. And so, you know, that was pretty much my regiment, you know, in the off-season. Were a lot of um, former Duke guys also going back and training with you? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, either you played in the NBA or you played overseas. Yeah. And so being a part of the brotherhood, being part of Duke, you know, we kind of did it together. That's awesome. And, um, you know, it was always good. And the coaches were great, you know, because they work you out when they could. You get to step into drills with some of the guys. And then the pickup games, you know, were awesome. Oh, I'm sure those are out of control. Oh, man, in September, in the, in the preseason, the pickup games is out of control. I mean, some of the best pickup games you could ever you could ever get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you look at the alumni, I'm sure, you know, some of those games were just top, top tier. Oh, no question. I mean, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of hurt feelings. <laughs> you know, everybody wants to win. Everybody's going for it. And then, you know, but afterwards, you know, you shower, go get something to eat. And then, you, you know, then the shit talking commences. Yeah. Your yeah. brothers, yeah, your brothers yeah. at the end of the day. No question. Shit talking, maybe some money on the line, maybe. And... Well, I try not to. I try to keep my money in my pocket, but you know, <laughs> big bank, take little bank. You know, some of those millionaires. You know, you don't want to. You don't want to jump that high. <laughs> but um, you know, just the camaraderie and just the brotherhood and just you know being around people who like to do what you like to do was always good. That's cool. What was your last year that you played overseas? Um. I think I ended my career in, uh, in Mexico. I was playing in Guadalajara, and uh, that was a great experience as well. Um, but for me, you know, basketball is a young man's game. There's definitely an expiration date on basketball. And you can extend that if you have good training and, you know, good trainers to help you, you know, extend, but your body can only take so much. So most of the guys, you know, if you can get to 34, 35, that's a pretty good career. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, right around that time, you know, you stop playing. But you're still a young man. And so now the rest of your life is there. You got to, you know, figure and choose what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So did you once you're done, you're like, all right, I'm I'm done with basketball playing wise. Did you go right into training? No, um, I'm going to be honest with you. And you may know this as well, Austin, is that. Those are some dark years after I finished playing basketball. Yeah. Because for your whole life, this is what you've been doing. You've been training. You've been getting up in the morning. You've been playing. This is what you do. And then the day that it stops, you wake up in the morning, and it's like, what do I do now? Trust me, I know. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so, obviously, I graduated from Duke, a major in sociology, minor in history. So I have a degree. I can go get a job and this and that. But it's kind of like it's a lost feeling. And so I kind of... I, I kind of was lost for a couple of years, figuring out what I wanted to do. And um, the first thing I did was I jumped into um, sports marketing. You know, I worked, as a, I worked at an agency, um, and we represented guys who played overseas and got their contracts and endorsements and, you know, took care of their, you know. So if you're a former basketball player, a former athlete, there's a couple lanes you normally go into. Sports marketing, radio, TV, or coaching. And people do that because it stays close to what they've been doing. 
And so, you know, I was no different. So I started in sports marketing. And then um, after that, I started, uh, I started Game Ready almost 12 years ago. And, um, you know, for me, I had always been working with kids, training, taking guys through drills, doing my own drills. And one of my best friends was like, there's no question what you should be doing. You should be training. And you know, I thought about it, and the next day, I went and you know, looked for some gym space, and got a website, got a name, and here we are. And so um, it's definitely my calling. I love to teach. I love kids. You know, I have a passion for the game. I have a passion for teaching the game. And then here in North Carolina, you know, there's a space where you can monetize that. Basketball is the number one sport in North Carolina. All these kids want to play at Duke. They want to go to North Carolina. They want to play professional. Well, in order for you to do that, you got to have somebody hold your hand and walk you through that and teach you, you know, how to play the game. Right. And that's where someone like me comes into play. Right. And it's like 23 Division One schools in North Carolina, too. So. No question. And so, you know, if these kids want to play at the highest level, you know, you're going to have to do more than AAU in high school basketball. You're going to have to have somebody, you know, work with you on skill development. So it was just like that, the conversation with your friend there, and it was like, you know what, you're right. Next day. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been fortunate to have good friends. Chris Carrawell is the guy I'm talking about. He's actually the associate head, so associate head coach at Duke now. And uh, we played together at Duke. And, um, you know, during those lost episodes, I'm like, Yo, what do I do? What's my calling? What do I do? And, you know, we kind of just came up with it. And, um, and it stuck. And here we are 12 years later. What was he doing at that time? Um, he was still playing overseas and, you know, for trying to further his career, but our, our careers kind of stopped during the same time. And so his calling, I think, is more coaching, but on the bench level. And so he started, you know, at Duke, and then he left to go with the New Jersey Nets, now the Brooklyn Nets, and then he went to Marquette, and then he's back at Duke now. And so his calling is to be, and he'll be a head coach, I'm sure, in the next couple years. And so whatever your calling is, you got to identify that, know it, and then go for it. Are you training guys one-on-one, five guys at a time? What is, what is like your training sessions look like? So, you know, I like to do small group sessions. I think for a trainer, uh, <laughs> financially, it's better if you can train, you know, seven to eight guys at a time as opposed to one. Right. And so now it makes it easier on you as a trainer because now you don't have to do as much rebounding. You have people to rebound in those drills for you. So, but, you know, a lot of people want one-on-one -on -one instruction. And, you know, I do that as well. Um, and so I think a combination of both, and then you throw in some speed and agility training, and then, you know, you can get a well-rounded, you know, individual basketball player. But you gotta, you gotta know, man, I mean, a lot of the kids that I work with are challenged, you know, and they're probably not gonna make it. Mm -hmm. The good thing about it is that their parents know that, and they don't really care. It's the journey that's important to them, the discipline. You know what I'm saying? The perseverance, the toughness, the mental toughness, the mentorship. They want their kids being active and actually going for something. And parents will invest when they, when they see their kid trying to go for something, you know, that he, that he, that he, really, he or she really wants. When right. done the right way, it translates to anything you want it to translate to in life. Absolutely. And if you work hard and you put in the necessary time and you're prepared, you'll probably be successful. And we teach these things on, on an everyday, you know, everyday basis in basketball and you're right they translate to business 
who are you training? Like high school level, college level, middle school? So we start at, uh, at seven years old and we go all the way to pro. And, um, but I would say the concentration of most of my kids are middle school and high school kids. Uh, elementary, middle school, high school kids. And obviously we have college guys that come back in the summertime. When I got Austin, you know, he was in high school. You still remember the day I met you? I do remember that day. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, I think he saw us doing some drills and he liked what, you know, liked what he saw. And he was like, yo, can you, can you work with me? Yeah. It was just that simple. And I'm the type of guy, if someone wants to learn about basketball, I'm going to teach you. And obviously he had a great, a great deal of skill already. He was athletic. And so for him, it's just kind of honing his skill and just trying to see him, see him do things that maybe he hasn't done before and, you know, up in his, his acumen, you know, on the game. And he did that. And, you know, he was able to you know, play well in high school and then play in college. Where did this happen? I was, first met? I remember like it was yesterday, actually. I was, I wasn't supposed to be at this location. It was Covenant, that Covenant Presbyterian. Uh-huh. I was doing the Hornets um, basketball camp, mm-hmm. and they were waiting for us to get it done with the court. And I saw he was, had his red, uh, he was with his client and had his bag, and we were getting off the court, and he was training. I just simply asked him, can I join? And ever since that day, he's been good ever since. No question. So he's been with me since, uh, I believe it was, I was going into my freshman year of college, so ever since I, from freshman year all the way to um, end of basketball, he's been with me. Yeah, and so, you know, I don't, I don't sell this, but it happens. Mentorship and friendship. And so now, because you spend so much time with these kids on the basketball court, you open up sidebar conversations for other stuff. Academics, girls, you know, um, the pitfalls of basketball and what you should, you know. And so now, it becomes like it's a little brother. Yeah. You know, and, and so now all my kids, especially Austin, you know, become like little brothers. And you know, they can come to me with anything and ask about anything, and they're going to get an unfiltered, honest, you know, opinion. And sometimes it's a bridge easier than going to a dad or a mom because you already know what time it is with that. But you go to somebody like me, and, you know, you can get a different perspective. That's cool. So it's, it's really just not all about basketball with you. You know, it's about developing character. Absolutely. Being there for people. And I can't really sell that, and you can't say that because it doesn't happen for everybody. Right. And everybody doesn't get that relationship. I mean, my relationship with him is still outstanding and ongoing, but, you know, sometimes it's just transactional where I want you to get me better, I want you to get me to make my team. Right. And then that's just it. Right. And that's cool, you know what I'm saying? But then some kids, you know, you, you take a liking to and you – you spend time with and you talk to off the court and here you are later where, you know, I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, you know? I remember I, uh, it was Father's Day. I was working out with you and I was like, happy Father's Day. I was like, you have any sons? He was like, I mean, I got like a hundred sons. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it feels like I do. It feels like I do. Yeah. It's important. And then you mentioned uh, earlier that, you know, when training kind of slows down mm-hmm. in season, you also do some motivational speaking as well. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things is, you got to kind of take advantage of, you know, where you've been. And playing at Duke, you know, especially playing for Coach K, people are real anxious to see what that leadership and what that style and what happened, you know, under his, under his coaching. And so as an opportunity, I get to speak, you know, different corporations and different things like that. And it's great. Um, you know, I want to do more motivational speaking. And we also do corporate team building. Um, I consult with Duke Corporate Education, which is the number one um, leadership success and leadership development course that you can take in the world. And they'd have like a thing that they call the basketball experience. 
And basically, they show how teamwork in basketball and teamwork in corporations are very similar. Building a team, having five guys work as one to get the job done, and how you can take those same strategies and use them, you know, um, you know, in, 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 in the boardroom and in corporations. And uh, it's, it's worked out well. So I've been working with them for the past 15 years. I do my motivational speaking. I do my training. And so, you know, in that way, uh, in that way I'm kind of, a, kind of a hustler, a basketball hustler. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, how like far do you travel for um, well, speaking? Yeah, I mean, like we've we've taken through corporate education and done events in Paris. Wow. You know, we've we've been all over the country: New York, L.A., Chicago, uh, Memphis, um, in Florida, um, Indianapolis, and so you know wherever the corporation is that needs our help and wants some leadership strategies, um, you know, we help out with that. And so in terms of speaking, same thing. Um, you know, I'm not limited to, to anything, you know, if, if, uh, if the money's right <laughs> and the situation is right, you know, I'll do it. Right. That makes sense. Probably helps to have so many guys that have come from Duke, right? Open up so many doors, you know, like yourself and overseas mm-hmm. in all these countries to different opportunities for even that. Right? Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm so prepared. I mean, obviously, you know, graduating and, you know, um, the stories and, and the experiences that I've had have prepared me for this. And so it's nothing for me to, you know, share, you know, my strategies and, and what I learned, you know, from Coach K playing at Duke. And then as a business owner myself, the strategies that I've, you know, uh, learned to be successful. I mean, obviously a basketball trainer can come today and be gone tomorrow. There's so many, so saturated, you know, for me to be still here 12 years later, you know, I must be doing something right. I would say so. You found yeah. a way to, to get paid to do what you love and what you're passionate about. And be able for it not just be on a basketball court, but translated into other places. No question. My uniform is shorts and a t-shirt every day. <laughs> Sweats in a sweatshirt every day. You can't know beat saying? that. You can't beat that. And we're repping that Duke gear. Oh, all, all day. You still got to give me some. Well, if you were a Duke fan, I'd give you some. <laughs> yeah, also, I'm not sure what you would do with that. Yeah. I mean, I still rock it. No, 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 no. You're an undercover Carolina fan. You've already told me. <laughs> <laughs> if you wasn't, you have all the gear that you need. Yeah, yeah. I should have said I'm a Duke fan. You should have said, said it. You should have said it. Yeah, you yeah. messed up there. I so did. You know, Dropped the ball. Yeah, I think in one of our first training sessions, he wore like a Carolina shirt. Um, yeah. And so I'm like, get your ass on the line. <laughs> extra, extra sprints just for that. <laughs> Got to know your audience, Austin. Day one suicide the entire session. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. That's yeah. funny. I mean, I still, I'm still still waiting. Like, I, can, I, can rock that. I can rock that Nike tech you got on right now. Listen, man. Only like if these guys are true Duke fans and they and they and they say that, so you'll have to like you know give up the Carolina you know mm. fandom to become a Duke guy. I don't know about that. If if you do that, that on national TV on this podcast, I, I give you I give you a nice little bag, a nice little warm up bag tomorrow. So if I say Duke is better than Carolina right now, I get a Duke. No, no, you no, got to become you gotta, a fan. Yeah, you got to give up the Carolina fandom. You yeah, gotta, that doesn't mean you're a fan. Yeah. See, Duke fans usually aren't shy about it either. Yeah, I, I, I'll, uh, I'll think about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll think we'll get about back it. to you. Yeah, you maybe do next that. time. I'll think about it. And when you do, a gift bag waiting for you. There you go. There you Signed go. by Coach K. I need a sound by Coach K. Uh, now you, so you, you, you're doing a bit much now. <laughs> <laughs> do you get to do you go back and watch a lot of Duke games? All the time. Um, I have a great relationship with the program. Obviously, Coach is not there anymore. John Shire is the head coach. I told you my best friend Chris Carroll is on the staff. And mm-hmm. so I go to seven to eight games a year. Um, you know, we do a lot of those corporate education events uh, on campus. So, you know, I'm in Durham, I don't know, 25, 30 times a year. Awesome. And so two-hour drive up the road. So, you know, 
Do you happen to know this kid named Chris Reeves? Christian Reeves, yeah. center. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to have him on the podcast last week, but we couldn't. Tom, yeah. but he went to my high school though. Did for, he? Yeah, for, um, up until about just freshman sophomore year in the left. So he went to Providence Day, and then he went to Oak Hill. Yeah, yeah. He was so he was at Hickory Grove, like middle school, and then before he went to high school, he left, and now he obviously went there in Oak Hill and Duke mm-hmm. now. Yeah, I know Christian very well. I know his dad's a police officer. Yeah, about seven one, seven two. Yeah, tall man. And, and Christian has has come a long way. You know, he's bulked up significantly, worked on his body, you know, and they want him to play a bigger role, you know, this year. And it's up to him to do that. But if he can block shots and play kind of like that Derek Lively role, um, you know, he'll have a chance. So, you know, hopefully you guys get him on the show and he can, you know, oh, yeah, for sure. shed some light. For sure. Before, Plus, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say that Duke and, and uh, Queens game is going to be interesting. I don't know if you saw Queens, what they got going on, but they're trying to, travel a team with students to the game. They, they have like 30 tickets. Uh-huh. And regular students at Queens can, can uh, pay $2,000 a ticket. And they get to travel with the team to the game, mm-hmm. sleep in the same hotel as, as the Queens, and watch their warm-up practice. Yeah. It's, it's pretty that, interesting. I saw that they're playing Queens this year. And so for me, uh, that's going to be a, a, a big-time game. You know, because you know, Queens will sneak up on you. I love the way that, you know, we schedule non-conference opponents because this is what we're going to see in the NCAA tournament. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so you want to schedule really good, and they're hungry. You know, that's going to be during the Christmas break. Our fans are – our students are really not going to be there. And, you know, it's a game that's winnable for us, but don't be surprised if they come in there and fight. Yeah, it could be a lot of guys, if not all of them, like the biggest game of their entire careers. No question. You know, and they're no. going to leave it out, all out on the floor no matter I got what. a kid, uh, Bryce, who went to uh, Carmel Christian that I trained, and he's a freshman at Queens this year. And uh, What's his last name? Oh, what is Bryce's last name? Um, if I get it out, it'll come to me. Okay. But uh, he was a big-time player at Carmel Christian, and uh, he's a freshman this year, and he's super excited. He was the first one to tell me that. He was like, Coach, we playing Duke this year. I'm like, I hope you're ready for this ass with us. <laughs> <laughs> is that one you think you're going to go watch? I just might. Right yeah. now I have uh, – I'm going to Arizona. That's November 10th mm-hmm. uh, at Duke. And then I'll go to the Champions Classic, Michigan State. That's in uh, Chicago. And then there's a couple ACC games. But because he's in that game, I may have to shoot down and, uh, and watch, my guy, watch my guy play a little bit. Let's awesome. roll down there together. You want to roll? Yeah. Okay. Got gotcha. it. Right. Right. We can do that. I might tag along. <laughs> I only get two tickets now. Oh, uh, okay, okay. But if I can get a third, you know. I hate Christian up. Well, I was, I was going to buy you it. You can do that as well. No, 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 no. You don't have to buy it. We'll, we'll, we'll find something for you. We'll, we'll figure it out. But before, before we go here, I got to get your thoughts. Going into the season, mm-hmm. where are we pegging Duke at? What's, what's going to be our record? Where are we getting to? Oh, your record? Uh, yeah, all that. Go ahead. Well, uh, I just saw the rankings came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ranked number two in the nation. And I don't really go by preseason rankings. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. It's pretty up in the air. But this team is pretty talented. I mean, you know, obviously, I tell people all the time, you're not going to win a championship with one and dones. You got you to have senior leadership, older teams. And um, you saw that last year in the NCAA tournament, UConn and East, they're older. And so Duke is not completely all the way old, but we're older. You know what I'm saying? And even a sophomore or junior in college to me is – you know, experience. And I think with that experience, um, we'll be okay. But uh, I'm thinking Final Four. Final Four a bust. Yeah, got some guys probably coming out with uh, 
feeling like they really have something to prove. Absolutely. Um, you know, we got a great freshman class. You know, Filipowski's going to be really, really good. Mark Mitchell, you got um, Roach coming back. So you go with those three, and then you enter like a Caleb Foster or, um, you know, one of those guys, and you have a chance to really have a good team. So I watched them practice a couple times. I'm impressed, but, you know, I got to see the, I got to see him under the lights. Mm -hmm. On paper, it can look like one thing. Yeah, and man. Whenever, I gotta whenever you get out on the court, I, it can be I got to see you under the lights. And once, you know, I see that, you know, I'll be able to identify, you know, what our weaknesses are and, you know, where we can be. I have one more question, too. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, through the 12 years you've, you've had the training company, right? Who mm -hmm. is the best player so far that you've trained with consistently? That you've trained? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I've had some pretty good guys. Um, you can't say Austin either just because he's Austin, good. <laughs> Austin, Austin was good. But um, Trey Wirtz. Trey Wirtz went to Providence Day. You I didn't know you trained with Trey. Yeah, I coached Trey 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. At QCA? Yeah, QCA. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was on my team, me and Addie's team. I played with QCA. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Trey Wirtz is really good. Great shooter, about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, played at Notre Dame. Um, Devon Dotson was also on that team, played at Kansas. Grant Williams. Grant Williams, you know, worked oh, with him. That's your boy. Um, there's another kid coming to Duke next year that I spent a little time with, Isaiah Evans. Kid, he's at North Mech. Oh, man, he's... Yeah, he's nice. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like Robert Kevin, Kevin Durant. Yeah, he's going to be – he's like a Brandon Ingram almost. Okay, yeah. yeah. He's a score supreme. Yeah, that wing swing man there. Yeah, there. He's, he, he's really good. And so we've had a couple guys, you know, you know, that are good. But most of my guys are middle of the road, you know, um, struggling to make their teams. Um, and then obviously, you know, every once in a while we get some good pro guys. And that's the point of the training, right? No question. If you were already a complete player, you wouldn't need me. <laughs> you know exactly. So, you know, most of the guys, they, they need work. Awesome. Love that. Well, we appreciate you coming on. If someone wanted to get, you know, follow you on social media, go to your website, where, where can they find you at? Yeah, so the website is uh, GameReadyCLT.com. Um, GameReadyCLT is on, on all the social handles. And uh, I'm not really active on social media like I should be. I'm old school, but, um, you know, I got a couple interns and we're working on that. But uh, the website has all the information there. And, you know, um, hopefully, uh, you know, this can reach him as well. Awesome. Well, like I said, we appreciate you coming on. Appreciate yeah, it, Rick. Really this was really cool. Absolutely. I enjoyed it.